you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of Malachi. When I was <clears throat> four years old, I uh, got invited to a birthday party. And it was this uh, birthday party that I will never forget. I mean, honestly, I was four. These memories are vivid for me. But my friend uh, named Jeff invited me to a party. And this was not just your standard party. I mean, I was four, he was five, and, but this was like the party of all parties because we were going to be on the TV show Hatchy Malachi. Now, don't laugh. So back in the day, um, there was this TV show based out of Scranton, Pennsylvania, right where I grew up. And in Scranton, they had this TV show named Hatchy Malachi, and the lady, you can go to the next slide, is, her name is Miss Judy. I don't know if you can see her really, really well, but Miss Judy was, like, amazing. I mean, Miss Judy was, like, we'd watch Hatchy Malachi on TV, and when I got invited to this birthday party, I'm thinking to myself, not only am I on live TV, not only do I get to sing all these awesome songs, not only do I get to play all these amazing games, but I get to meet Miss Judy. I mean, she's like Mr. Rogers in female form. I mean, she's like this perfect mother, kind, caring, loving, gentle. I mean, she was just this, in my mind as a four-year-old, like the perfect lady. Like I, and, and being in Hachi Malachi would be amazing. I mean, there was this song at the beginning of every show. It went like this. There's a, I'm not going to sing it, just in case, you're, <laughs> in case you're wondering. There's a wonderful place that you really should see called the land of Hachimalachi. All boys and girls love this place, yes siree, called the land of Hachimalachi. Peppermint candy and ice cream is free in the land of Hachimalachi. Soda pop fountains are under each tree in the land of Hachimalachi. Everyone rides on a merry-go-round, all made of sugar and spice. Lollipops grow right out of the ground. The moon's made of strawberry ice. If you should run and you trip and you fall in the land of Hachimalachi, the ground's made of rubber, you bounce like a ball in the land of Hachimalachi. I mean, who wouldn't want to go to Hachimalachi? I mean... This is the best place ever. And I'm thinking that when I'm four, and I'm going, this is going to be amazing. And so we get there, the party starts, the song is on, we sing, we're, you know, hanging out. They, I mean, they have these little games, we're on the screen. I mean, I don't think my mom has, like, the, you know, VHS tape or anything. But, but there, there was this cool thing that went on. But one thing that I noticed was that it seemed like Hatchie Malachi, or Miss Judy, who was the star, it seemed like Miss Judy kind of had like a split personality thing going on. <laughs> that, and what I mean is like, Miss Judy was amazing and funny and like laughing and joyous when the red light was on. And she would like play these games and it was great. And then the red light would go off and like Miss Judy would just kind of like be normal. And just kind of... Like, I thought you were cool all the time. Like, why are you just standing there? Like, what's going on? And then the light would come back on, and she'd be like, you know, and we're all back into it. And the same thing happened 
several, it was about five, six years ago, I was on, um, went to the David Letterman show, and the same thing happened there. Uh, David Letterman, like, he's talking, hanging out. Um, I'll tell you a story another time, but we, I got to talk to him for like two minutes face-to-face in front of 600 people. It was pretty cool. But anyhow, we, we have this conversation, but then when he's not playing the crowd, when the light's not on, he's just like blasé, just kind of doing nothing. Kind of, you know, he's got all these people attending to him, and he's just kind of ordering people around. And, and it seemed like both these people... There's this split personality thing going on. And I don't know if you noticed any of that split personality thing going on this morning, but it seemed to me in reading the book of Malachi that sometimes God is like this God when the camera's off. And you get all this like, hey, here's the business, here's the deal. As Daryl said at the beginning, it's like you're getting a little bit of hate mail. You know, it's like what happens when you drive down the road, you cut someone off, you get the gesture. It's that like... This is not good news, right? But then you have this other side in Malachi where all of a sudden it's like God over and over and over and over repeats these things on camera that are like, wow, unbelievable grace and love. And so you get these mixed messages. You get like repent and then you get grace. You get curse and then you get hope. You get brokenness but he brings healing. You get rejection, but then you find acceptance. You get wrath, but you're met with love. And so this first reading is hate mail. The second reading is quite different. And this first reading, we talked a little bit about it last week. We talked about the terms and conditions of the covenant, that all of us who have decided to follow Jesus have kind of entered into this binding agreement. Now, this was exactly true of the people of Israel, that they had agreed to something with God. There were certain terms and conditions just like when we push the I agree button for iTunes, that all of us have signed on to a 55-page document we have not read, right? It's the same kind of thing, except God outlines everything in his text that he's called us to. And so for the people of Israel, he lays this out, and then in Malachi, what he does is he highlights many things that kind of stand out to him, but three that we kind of discussed last week. And the first one is that you're bringing worthless idols or worthless offerings. That what you do is you bring me stuff and your worship of me, the times when you gather to praise my name are kind of contrived. Blasé, worthless, you're going through the motions, you're offering me your second best and it's not really acceptable and it's not very pleasing to me. And then he says to them, and there's a second issue at hand and that's that you've begun to love other gods. Like we have this marriage thing going, and you're being unfaithful to it. And that's why in the book it talks about divorce, and that God hates divorce, because he's saying, we have this marriage, and you are being unfaithful to me. You've begun to pull away from me. You've begun to enter into this divorced kind of relationship with me, and I'm calling you back. The third thing is this idea of the lack of trust. And over and over he says, you're you're questioning me. You don't think I'm going to uphold my end of the bargain. You say that I don't love you. You say that I don't provide for you. And and you demonstrate that, he says, in chapter 3 by by not even giving. To demonstrate this trust in me that I will be your provider, that I will be your support, that I will be your caregiver. And he says all of these things in the text. And 
What we see here in this last book is really a representation of the entire Old Testament, if you think about it. The book of Malachi here ends with the last word being, depending on your version, curse or utter destruction. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the Old Testament not in ending on such a positive note, right? I mean, it's a, man, curse or destruction. And what's interesting, you go all the way, you rewind, all the way back to Genesis, right? Now you find yourself in the very beginning, and it starts off pretty wonderful. I mean, the world is created, man and woman are created equal, there's this beauty and everything, and then all of a sudden, the first major act after creation is disobedience. And is the curse. So you end the book of the Old Testament. You end all of these writings with curse or destruction. You begin, in many ways, all of these writings with curse or destruction. And in between, what you see is wickedness, disobedience, the flood, Tower of Babel, the judges. They're kind of on again, off again with God. There's this relationship that goes back and forth. There's separation, and there's curse. And the curse has affected all of us. I mean, I think that's something that, that while cognitively we might agree to many times, I think subtly we try to assume uh, ways to ignore it. We try to figure out how to kind of push it aside, but slowly it builds to this place where we recognize in all of us that there is brokenness and that the curse is present. This last week, um, my wife took uh, Evie to the doctor. And uh, Evie has been having, she's our youngest daughter, she's about two. And uh, she's been like having this like rash on her arms and then it didn't stop on her arms, it spread and then she got these bumps and then the bumps started itching and then she started scratching them and then she started bleeding. And there's, I mean, there's this whole thing and we're like, just lathering her up with lotion like crazy, going, man, there's, there's something wrong. So finally, we take her to the doctor, and we go, can you look into this a little bit? And so they have my wife basically like sit on her and like three other people, and then they start drawing blood, and they have to like take, you know, nine shots at it, nine cracks at it, because she's squirming and screaming. And it's, you know, it's one of those fun doctor visits, and thankfully I wasn't there. And so all of this happens in that moment, and they draw blood, and then they tell us just a couple days ago that she's allergic to certain things. I mean, like, only, like, milk, eggs, and yeast. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's, like, nothing, right? I mean, that's not in anything. And so she, she, we find out, like, okay, something's not okay, and it happens from the inside out. It's the same condition that all of us are in. We have this allergen within us that comes from the inside out. In fact, Jesus says it's not what happens from outside of a man that makes him unclean, but it's from within moving outward that makes him unclean. And so we see this fact that the curse has affected all of us. It's affected me. It's infected me. I mean, it infects me because I become pressured. And when I feel pressured, I become short or impatient. It infects me because I get insecure. I define my worth based on accomplishment. And when I don't feel like I'm accomplishing what 
I would hope to be accomplishing, then I become insecure and it's this spiral. It affects me because I worry. My mom passed that down to me, both genetically and in practice. Lust, desire things that I cannot have. And I become envious of others who have that which I desire. I can become incredibly selfish. Ask my wife. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, maybe one of those is on your list. But the reality is that all of us could probably agree with the phrase by Martin Luther, pray hard, for you are quite a sinner. Brennan Manning said this, suffering, failure, loneliness, sorrow, discouragement, and death will be part of your journey. I mean, it's inevitable. It is in all of us. It is surrounding all of us. And what God says to us this morning from Malachi is one word that he says emphatically in the text, and that is return. Return to me. It's a common theme that he says over and over and over in the scriptures. It goes like this, return to me and keep my commandments. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. Return to me with your whole heart. Return to me with all of your heart. Return to me, said the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you. Return to me, and I will return to you, as it says in chapter 3 today. For some of us here this morning, the message I believe we need to hear from the word today is return. Repent. Maybe we've become okay with complacency. Maybe we've been okay with sin. We allow it to linger around a little bit more and we don't do what He has called us to do and that's pursue righteousness and holiness. To be holy as He is holy. And so, we're called to return. Now, returning for each of us could look quite different. It might mean like we talked about last week, going all in. No longer being willing to sit on the sideline, but saying, I'm all in in this. Maybe it's confession. You confessing to God. Maybe it's you confessing to someone else and sorting something out. Maybe it's forgiveness. You've been holding on to resentment for so long. You've been hanging on to this thing that you can't let go of, and you need to repent and let go of it. Maybe it's the need to stop practicing something you know is absolutely wrong. Or maybe it's trusting God again with money, with relationships, with family, with whatever, and saying that that's how I'll return. J.I. Packer said this about repentance or the idea of returning. He said the New Testament word for repentance means changing one's mind so that one's views, values, goals, and ways are changed, and one's whole life is lived differently. The change is radical, both inwardly and outwardly. Mind and judgment, will and affections, behavior and lifestyle, motives and purposes are all involved. Repenting means starting a new life. What we have been called to is to return. But at the same time, God has this Miss Judy personality where he also says, listen, the book of Malachi is about this infinite love. 
The book of Malachi is about this radical, faithful, unending, infinite love. There's a Hebrew tradition that when you read the end of Malachi, you read it like this. I'll start in verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. You might have noticed what I did, but I reread verse 5. I reread it a second time. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. See, tradition has it that you in the Hebrew would read this verse again simply because you didn't want to end the Old Testament. You didn't want to end the whole book of Malachi on such a sour note. But rather, you would say, there's hope coming. Something will change. We don't live in this place of the curse forever. I think in all of us, and probably the reason that tradition began, is there is this deep desire for redemption. That what we want is to gain something that was previously lost. And so for some of us, what we needed to hear this morning is repent or return. For others of us, what we need to hear is this verse in verse 2, which says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. See, the gospel story is that a God who calls us to return or to repent is also the same God who honors and is faithful to his covenant of unending love. I mean, this is the God that said, listen, Elijah's coming. That John the Baptist will declare the way and then he will say, there's someone whose sandals I am unworthy to untie, and Jesus will come on the scene, and everything will be different from that moment on. I mean, that's the gospel. The gospel, I'll quote a couple people here, is this. It is the counterintuitive, joyous, exuberant news that Jesus has brought the unending, limitless, stunning love of God to even us. The gospel is also summed up by saying it is the tremendous, tender, compassionate, gentle, extraordinary, explosive, revolutionary revelation of Christ's love. I mean, maybe today what you need to hear from Malachi is this truth that the gospel is good news. Maybe you need to hear the gospel of love again. I mean, sometimes I I ask myself, do we say that enough? And sometimes I go, yeah, we say it enough. People know that. And then sometimes I go, you know what? No, we don't. You can't say that enough. 
I mean, how can you say enough times that you are incredibly, incredibly guilty and yet you're completely off the hook? I mean, how many times can we say that you're not worth loving sometimes and I'm not worth loving sometimes and yet we're loved unconditionally all of the time? I mean, it's the most amazing story. It's the most unbelievable thing that we've ever heard. And I came across this reading that, that really stunned me and re- reminded me again that we need to hear this story of both returning and of, of understanding this infinite love. Brennan Manning makes this statement. Imagine that Jesus is calling you today. He extends an invitation, a second one, to accept his Father's love. And maybe you answer, oh, I know that. It's old hat. And God answers, no, that's what you don't know. You don't know how much I love you. The moment you think you understand is the moment you do not understand. I am God, not man. You tell others about me, your words are glib. My words are written in the blood of my only son. The next time you preach about my love with such obnoxious familiarity... I may come and blow your whole prayer meeting apart. Do you know that every time you tell me you love me, I say thank you? Imagine the love. It's kind of a little bit like Miss Judy. You have this word from the Lord that says return, repent, come back to me. Be in this again. Be all in. Stop fooling around and return. And then you have this other story that's so clear in this text, which is the Son of Righteousness will come with healing in His wings. And you will be amazed at the love that is unending. We're going to enter into a time of communion. And sometimes when we enter into communion, I'm convinced that like, some weird, solemn thing happens. I mean, like, all of a sudden we're like, we've got to get serious in this moment. And that is part of remembrance. But listen, part of remembrance is also celebrating, right? I mean, part of remembrance is going, oh, my word, this is amazing. I mean, when I reflect back on, like, my birthday or my time on Hachimalachi, I'm not like, oh, yeah, Hachimalachi was, wow. I go, no, Hachimalachi was amazing. It was awesome. I mean, again, I was four, but still, <laughs> it was great. And the truth is, the message that we hear from this book this morning is the same thing. It's great. Celebrate it. Be in awe of it. Raquel's going to come and read just a few more little phrases in the book of Malachi. And then I invite you to join us with communion. There are going to be stations in both of these front corners and in the back. And we're just going to sing just a couple more songs. And, And let it be. Let it roll from your lips, but let it be from your heart. As you sing, let's pray. God, we love you because you first loved us. That's what you tell us. That's what you show us. You demonstrate it. May we again hear this refrain that you love us. May we also hear, if we're needing it now, this refrain to return. And in that, may you be honored in Jesus' name. Amen.